Hey, Hot Mess Heroes, I'm Jeffrey Garano, and you're listening to Gaijin. On today's episode, I'm reaching into the DMs. I am answering all of the questions that you have sent me on my Instagram, at Gaijin Podcast, over the last week. After episode one, I've heard from so many of you, and I want to get to your questions. I want to answer what's on your mind. So stick around, turn the volume up, and let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome. So good for you to join. So glad you're here. Um, yeah, welcome back to Gaijin. Uh, I'm currently sitting in my apartment in my closet. Um, it's a pretty peaceful and calm day <laughs> and um, pretty rainy, but welcome back. So glad you're here. <laughs> um, it's like Thanksgiving week and I'm just feeling pretty grateful and thankful. So thank you to everyone who listened to the first episode. If you haven't listened, definitely go back and take a listen. But I got some pretty cool comments and feedback from folks and I'm really excited to incorporate some of what all of you have been thinking about and wanting to hear about. Um, and I'm excited to talk to you about the things that matter most to all of you guys. So I am currently recording from my closet, which is pretty ironic. Um, but it's nice in here. I got some pillows and all of my clothes are lying around. And I want to know whether or not you did the homework. Yeah, I... I want to know whether or not you did the homework. I assigned some homework for you guys on episode one, and I wanted to know um, how were you showing up and caring for yourself, especially if you're going through change. And I talked a lot about surrounding yourself with people who mattered and people who would reinforce positivity and to put on the blinders and not focus on those who hold you back or hold you down. And sometimes... The thing that's holding you back and holding you down is your own inner voice and your own inner critic. And to be honest, Thomas Heroes, it's a work in progress. I am still working on it. Even this past week, I was being self-critical and I had to take a step back and think to myself, who cares? Like, who honestly cares? Like, I care way too much and I'm so hard on myself and... It's a lifelong process to grab a hold of this inner voice and to be able to be aware of it and respond to it and overcome it. So easier said than done, of course. And for those of you who listened to episode one and are maybe struggling with the same exact thing, I want you to know that you're not alone and that we're working on this together. I'm still working on it. So yeah, if you haven't heard episode one, go back and, and take a listen uh, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed, turn on the notifications for new episodes, and I want to hear from you. I want to hear about how you're doing, um, and you can ask me anything you want. You can find me on Instagram at Gaijin Podcast or on Twitter, um, and that's what I'm going to do today for you all. I'm going to read some questions that you Hot Mess Heroes have submitted to me, 
and I'm going to answer them. I'm going to answer them as honestly as I can, um, as candidly as I can, and there's no real general topic. It's just me answering your questions, so let's get into it. Okay, first question comes from Mark and Reblank, and Mark says this, uh, he has a question about uh, the struggle of coming out in an Asian household, and how was it coming out to all of my friends and family? Um, it was a pretty life-changing experience. Everyone was really accepting and had lots of questions and embraced me with so much love that it was the best experience I could have asked for. I think I did it at the right time, though. If I were younger, I don't think it would have gone as well as it did. But for years, I was uh, monitoring <laughs> very closely uh, my family's attitudes towards gay people. And um, I would do that sometimes by asking questions like, oh, like, what do you think about Ellen? Or, oh, what do you think about two guys getting married? And gauging their responses to see where they were at attitude-wise and emotionally and mindset-wise around homosexuality and gay rights. And as I kind of gauged that people were changing and growing and opening their minds to gay rights, um, I decided, okay, like maybe this is the right time to do it. I was still really, really scared, of course. So the first person I came out to actually was my cousin and I was in New York City with her and we were at this club and I just turned to her and was like, oh, like I'm dating this guy and pulled out my phone and like showed her pictures and she was like, oh my God, yes, Jeffrey, yes. And uh, it was such a positive experience that I was like, I'm just going to come out to like everyone now. And then came out to my aunt and my uncle and then came out to my family. Um, and it all happened within about one month, but everyone was super accepting. And in that month too, I was also coming out to some of my closest friends. And yeah, everyone was was really, really accepting. I, I would say, like thinking about your question, Marc-Andre Blanc, like you, you ask about coming out in an Asian household and... For me, I think my biggest concern was mostly around uh, my family's religious identity and their religious beliefs, and I was mostly nervous about that impacting how they would view me and how they view homosexuality in general. Um, in terms of the Asian uh, part of my family and their identity and their heritage, and obviously mine as well, um, I don't know, Filipino culture has always been, in my eyes, very queer. And men frequently shift and play with gender, at least from what I've seen. And people were very comfortable about that. I mean, they never really talked about it. My grandmother and my aunties and my uncles, they never really talked about it as being um, a big deal. Um, you just had these like gay uncles who were just your gay uncles. Um, of course, there was some derogatory terms that they used, which made me feel super uncomfortable. But I was mostly concerned about uh, the religious aspect and 
how that、uh, may have caused my family to see me differently.、Um, but after coming out to my family, we became a lot closer, and my relationships with my siblings and my mom, especially. Strengthened because I was honest with them. And I feel really comfortable around them, even more so now that I can get to be who I truly am. So that was question one. Thank you, Mark.、Um, another question is from Bunny Face Cat. And Bunny Face Cat asks, How did you decide to take leaps of faith in your life and what were they?、Um, great question. Thank you for the question, Bunny Face Cat.、Um, in the last episode, I talked about how deathly afraid of everything I am and my anxiety. And it is true. Like, I do deal with anxiety. But I also am one of those people that just does it. Like, Even if I'm scared and I can feel my heart racing and I can hear it. No, like legit, there are times when I'm so nervous that I can actually hear my heartbeat. I have learned to just push through it. I learned that that anxiety is never going to go away, but it, what matters is that I can deal with it and work through it, but it's still there. Like that fear is still there. And definitely. The first time I took a leap of faith was when I left Boston for New York City. And I knew I had to get out of Boston. I went to undergrad here and grad school here, and I worked in Boston for a bit.、Um, but in terms of my personal life, I wanted more. I knew that I wanted to go to New York City and live my life. And so I was teaching high school、um, in Boston, and、um, it was. Literally the last day of school, I went back home. I packed my car with all of my things,、um, my little Ford Focus, and I went to sleep. I woke up super early the next morning and I drove away and drove to New York City and moved out of Boston. And I was so nervous because. Yeah, I had friends there from college, but I didn't have any real close friends that I was moving for. And there wasn't like a set group of people that I knew were going to be my people.、Uh, but I was so tired of what I was experiencing in Boston that I, I knew I had to get out. And so that was probably one of the biggest leaps of faith that I took. And it worked out. Like I lived in New York City for, you know, nine years and they were the Best nine years of my life. Like, I've made so many friends, reconnected with friends, and found myself during my time in New York City. And I was, you know, I, I could have stayed in Boston. I was very comfortable, but I knew I just couldn't do it anymore. And I, I think that's why I take leaps of faith because I kind of look at my current situation and I say to myself, like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, it's comfortable, but I don't think I can be truly happy if I continue doing what I'm doing. And I just decide to push myself. And I think to myself, do I really want to be in the same situation next year, the year after? What am I going to think in five years? 
And I know that's like a very like pragmatic way to look at things and a very like goal oriented way of looking at things and right or wrong. Like that's worked for me when I think to myself, do I want to be in the same position next year, the year after in five years? And my answer to most of those things is no. And then I decide to just do it. Um, and I put the gears into motion and I just do the action and I just push through the anxiety and the fear and uh, I just go with my heart and I go with my gut and then my mind just catches up later because the entire time I'm putting the gears in motion and doing the thing that makes me the most scared, my mind is saying like, oh, don't do this, like slow down, like stop, like this is too terrifying. Uh, but I just listen to my heart and my gut and I just go. And then my mind will catch up and my mind will will get with the program. <laughs> like it has no other choice or opportunity but to get with the program. Like I did what I did. I am where I am. I made the choice. I made the change. And you know what brain? Like get with it. And it does. And then I'm able to look back and say I made a better choice. I made the leap and it was worth it. So that is what I will say about taking leaps. Thank you for the question, bunny cat face. Or, um, sorry, uh, bunny face cat. Okay. Um, next question was actually sent to me by... I'm just pulling my DMs up. And I'm so serious, guys. Literally, just send me your DMs. I want to answer your questions. I want to hear from you. Engaging with you, my little hot mess heroes, is... The pride and joy of all of this. Um, so thank you guys for reaching out. This question is from Hugo. Hugo Kenzo on Instagram. And Hugo asks, like, do you perm your hair? <laughs> um, the funny thing is, is that I've been asked this a few times. And I think this is like, uh, I, this is an interesting question. But I also think it speaks to, um, I don't know, Asian men and straight hair i don't know dm me guys reach out to me i want to learn more about this but no i don't perm my hair um it is all natural um i don't perm my hair but i am very particular about my hair and um let's get into the hair okay so Number one, I don't print my hair. Number two, I am very picky about who cuts my hair. So like I said, I lived in Boston, I moved to New York, and then now I live back in Boston. Temporarily, guys, temporarily. Um, I'm coming back. Brooklyn, I'm coming back, girl. Um, and in that span of time, which has been 10 plus years, I've only had three different barbers. And I'm very particular about who is my barber. And if you're my person, if you cut my hair and like we we vibe and you get it, like I will be your ride or die. I will be your client forever. And I think it like, to be honest, I think that this obsession with making sure I have the right person to cut my hair stems back from my childhood because my dad used to cut my hair and I hated how he cut my hair. I hated it. I'd have the worst haircuts. But once I moved out of the house, I was like, I got to find someone who can do it right. And um, so that's number one. 
Like you just got to really trust your person, your stylist or your barber, whoever or whoever to do your hair the way you want it to be done. And I will show them pictures of what I want and we'll talk about it. Like we will talk about what exactly I want and how I want it. And then they'll take out the tools and begin cutting. But it's never like, oh, like I want like an inch off here or there, like go for it. It's like, here's the picture. This is what I'd like. Okay, this, let's take a look here. Like, what do we think about this length? Um, if we're going to go off the neck, like, so it's like a conversation, it's a discussion, and then and then the haircut begins. Yeah, so th- that's number one. Number two is that uh, I don't shampoo every day, and I try to condition at least like four times a week, like three, four times a week, um, and then I'll shampoo like once a week, and I just use head and shoulders. And so let's talk about some of the products that I like to use. Um I like to use something that my boyfriend actually has, which is called Palmer's Olive Oil Formula. It's the olive hairdress, and it is so light on my hair, but it will style it, and I can still run my hands through my hair, and it'll feel very soft, Um, but it'll maintain its style and its shape. In the shower, I'll use a product called Carol's Daughter's Hair Milk, Um, It's a leave-in moisturizer. You just leave it in there. After you shower, you um, you don't dry your hair, and then you just put in the Palmer's olive oil, and then just let it dry naturally. Love it. Love it. Um, And then, you know, if you need it styled when you're going out, but, like, who the hell is going out right now? Um, If you're going out to, like, a formal or like a function or like a party i love using the suave cito firm hold hairspray or if i'm going to do some pomade i like the lay right extra firm holds so yeah that's that's my hair and i don't perm my hair at all um the next one comes from chimio underscore o um i think i know this person actually um no chimmy's actually one of my besties um Chimmy asks, uh, what do you love about yourself? <sighs> Great question. Thanks so much, Chimmy, for sending this in. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is cliche, but growth mindset. I think I love to be a beginner. I love to be new at things, and I love to be a beginner because that means I'm, I'm forcing myself to be a learner, and I love learning things. Uh, I am. I love absorbing new information and interpreting them and making sense of them and then executing and applying them in real life and coming at things from the perspective of a beginner also allows you to just admit to yourself that you're new that you're learning and that you don't have all the answers and I'm perfectly comfortable telling anyone that I don't have all the answers which is (laughs) I guess ironic because I'm answering your questions right now um but seeking out information through questions rather than always having an opinion or an assertion about something helps me push my thinking and helps me develop perspective that only elevate some of the other skill sets and knowledge that I have. And so, yeah, I mean, I I, I think that I love uh, my my ability to say that I'm not the expert my ability to be okay with that and 
to feel okay with that and to demonstrate for people that I'm learning. I mean, when I when I was teaching, I made it a point not to be the teacher who would just disseminate answers, but the teacher who would ask the right questions to unlock my students' thinking and then to co-create or to push themselves and myself to arrive at a deeper and better conclusion about whatever it is or whatever it was that we were learning. And of course, you know, as like with any other job or any other skill set, teaching is a skill that you have to learn and develop over time. But what I found at the end of my teaching career was that I was able to create spaces where I was a learner, but still a mentor. And I think because I was always open to my students' ideas and I wasn't immediately saying, no, that's right, no, that's wrong. It created a lot of trust and it created an actual community. And I think that was more important than having kids who were just robot test takers. I will say, though, that my kids always beasted those tests. So, I mean, that was never a problem. But, you know, at the same time, that that's more, you know, beasting tests is more of a reflection of them than it is about you. But the environment that you create in the classroom and the community that comes from your classroom is a reflection on both of you, the teacher and the student. So what allowed me to do that was my learner mindset, my ability to um, have growth mindset and not think of myself always as the expert. And that's something that I love about myself. And that's something that I want to continue doing. All right. Um, last question. And we got to wrap this up. Please make sure that you are still asking me questions. DM me on Instagram at Gajan Podcast. Okay. This question is coming from Kazam with a KH. Kazam asks, um, when peeps ask you to get deep, do you talk about your Asian roots or the gay journey you went through? Awesome question. Again, you guys, these are such good questions. You guys are so good at asking questions. Love it. Okay. Um, let me answer this in two parts. The first part is when people ask me to go deep, I usually talk about movies, TV shows. I mean, that's what we're all doing, right? During the pandemic. And I'll probably talk about like all of my theories about stuff. And I, I love that stuff. Like I love to geek out about that stuff. My boyfriend and I love to watch TV. For all of you who have not seen Raised by Wolves on HBO Max, like please go see that now. Like I thought it had like some intense themes and motifs around mysticism and atheism. And there were some really great questions there about who raises who and how do people create and sustain belief systems. So yeah, I mean, that that's what I usually talk about when I go deep. To address your question, Kazam, I, I talk about both. And I, I see my lived experience as an overlap of both the Asian experience and the gay experience. And I can't really separate them out. So I, I wouldn't pick one or the other. What I will say, though, is you ask about Asian roots versus the gay journey. And I think I talk about my gay journey more than my roots. 
And I think it's probably because, I don't know, like I'm just spitballing here, but I think for me, the gay journey was about self-actualization and it was more about, and maybe I need to do some reflection on this, but it was more about me making a choice for myself and me having an internal struggle that was years and years and years. I mean, it it was even um, a struggle after I came to terms with my Asian American identity. I had still not dealt with with my gay identity um, and how to be out to everyone. So, in lots of ways, maybe that's even a more recent uh, struggle that I've had to deal with. But maybe that's why it's the most immediate thing that I talk about when people ask me to go deep. When I think about me making the scariest choice of my life, but the most rewarding choice of my life, it would have to be my journey to being out to everyone. heroes thanks so much for listening to that q a with me that was a lot of fun and i hope to do that very soon so please send me your questions through instagram or through twitter at gaijin podcast and i will be sure to read them and answer on the show take care of yourself and until next time bye